Hello and welcome to Between the Mountains Adventure Podcast. Delivering in-depth interviews, expeditions and adventures. Be sure to check us out on social media and I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Today's guest is Matthew Robertson. He goes, you want to see something really crazy? And I'm like, yeah. So we, we go and we disappear into this area. I don't know if you've been to Iceland, but it's pretty... Once you get off the beaten track and into the middle of nowhere, it's otherworldly. We went up to this crater. And we look into this crater and he goes, we're going to go into there. And I'm like, great, let's go. And uh, we get into this crater and down this sort of overhang of lava, there's a little sort of opening. I'm looking down there and I said, well, what's down there? And he goes, it gets pretty tight. You know, it's a tunnel and it goes into basically Middle Earth, you know, and it's this lava tube, um, but very tight. And I'm like, oh, geez. And he goes, you know, come on, we can do it. And I'm like, right, okay, let's do it. Matthew Robertson is the founder of Momentum Media and a part of Momentum Media is providing these fantastic, unique, pathless traveled expeditions for you that are just bespoke to what you want and what you want to get out of that trip. But Matthew Robertson as an individual is even more than that. He has such a deep and wonderful, insightful and philosophical outlook on expeditions and adventure travel with some fantastic stories to tell. So I really, really hope that you enjoy this interview even half as much as I did, just diving into his experience, some of the tales and the views that he has. I'd love to hear your thoughts and opinions, but it's a long one, so let's dive straight into the interview. Matthew, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? Yeah, great. Thanks for having me, man. Uh, yes, it's uh, it's exciting. Yeah. So this this first one, actually, it, it kind of touches on kind of what we were talking about just now, actually, which is, you know, you're someone with not only a wealth of experience in the outdoors, but also a wealth of thoughts and artistry for the outdoors. I'd really love to know, why do you adventure? Good question, Eshia. That's one, uh, one I haven't been asked before. I think, you know, if I'm really honest, it's all I've ever known, you know, um, from my father dragging me up hills when I was a kid to my uncle teaching me how to climb. And at the time, you know, we touched on this before, at the time it was, it was like, oh my God, you know, rain and cold and in Scotland and wherever it happened to be, it was, it was tricky, you know, and, um, and it's just weird, isn't it? That, you, you know, I, I look back now and, and some of those times were pretty tough, but challenging and, and exciting, you know, for a young lad, it was, it was, it was constantly out of my comfort zone and now I'm doing it for a living. Right. And, and I, I didn't know, you know, when I was at school that uh, adventure or the outdoors was a job, you know, I, I, I it just, I didn't even compute. So I, you know, you just go down the usual route. So I think in answer to your question, why do I do what I do? Or why do I adventure is, it's kind of all I've ever known. And I, 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 um, I was the kid in the classroom that looked out the window and saw a hill and just thought, I wonder what's over that hill. God, and I just sort of almost daydream a bit thinking, I wonder how I would get there. So if I cycled there and walked that bit, I wonder, and I'd almost find myself adventuring in my mind and I, it was just a sort of an organic thing. And so, yeah, I, I guess it's just, it's kind of in your DNA and I'm sure a lot of the people that you've interviewed, it's very hard to define why you do what you do. It's just, it feels good you know, and, and it, it just, it just, it sucks you in. I mean, I, if I wanted to stop, I couldn't now, you know, it's just, it's, it's who I am. It's what I do. I, I just, I just love it. You know, just love it. That's one of the most honest answers I think we've had as well. And that's true for everyone is it just feels good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I wanted to go back to that, that upbringing as well. So, from the highlands to finding peace in the wilderness, what was your outdoors upbringing like in a bit more detail? Um, it was it was great because I never knew what I was doing on the weekend. It, you know, it, Dad would be throwing us all in the car, and or Mum and Dad, and and we just it was always sort of you know I spent my whole time outdoors, right? So um, I went to a school. I'll take you right back to the beginning where the, I guess this is it gives you a good understanding of probably 
the way I work is that, you know, I went to a pretty tough school when I was a kid and I wasn't necessarily an academic, hence the daydreaming and looking out the window, you know. <laughs> and then I ended up, because it was a very tough school and they, you know, they had the cane and everything else, I would end up running away from school. But I'd disappear for days, right? And I was, at the time, what was I, probably 13? But I would, you know, spend a night in the forest. Because for me at that point, nobody could judge me, right? At school, you could be prejudged or you could be hit or you could be told you're stupid or told whatever. For me, escaping into the mountains or, or the, well, not the mountains here, but into the woodlands or this, these huge forests, I found genuine peace there. You know, nobody judged me. I became incredibly comfortable being in the wilderness. Um, and so that was how it, I guess, part of it started. And then when, when I, I grew up in the countryside as well, and, you know, every day I was outside, every day I'd just disappear, you know, and I'd have a friend and we'd, we'd just go off into the fields, into woodland. And I'm sure a lot of the people who grew up in the countryside did the same thing. And I think in my day, you know, your parents just didn't worry about it. They didn't think about it. You didn't have phones. You know, we have phones, but you didn't have mobile phones, really. And, um, and they just didn't think that, well, what's going to happen to them? You just disappeared. So that became my norm. Um, and then dad was sort of a real outdoorsman and my uncle was a real outdoorsman. And, and so, it, you know, it was always about the outdoors. You know, it was always about exploring. And I think that that does sort of carve you or mould you in a certain way. I think as a child, you know, the time, things that happened to you as a child are incredibly influential in your future. My uncle and my father really gave me the fortitude and the intelligence to operate in that world, even in its most basic form. So, yeah, I think it, that, that, that time in my life was, was kind of wild, you know, literally. Yeah, it was lots of exploring, lots of disappearing with my you know, father and doing these big summits, learning how to climb. I did a climb once with my uncle and it's called a chimney. You know, so like this, so it's feet this side back and then you got your ropes and things. And God, I was probably about 11. Just thinking, you know, I was probably 60 feet up, thinking what on earth? This is, I mean, I was absolutely terrified at the time. But when I got to the top, I was like, wow, wow. And I would talk to my friends about it. And they're like, what? You did that? How'd you do that? And I said, I got this fun, crazy uncle. He's got a load of ropes. So he took us up this, you know, hill and did this and that. And they're like, wow, God, you know, amazing. So, yeah, all those different elements, my father, my uncle, the disappearing into the countryside, maybe running away from school and um, all those things were just in me, you know, as, as I grew as a human. And, and as I got older, I just, I, I guess there was this, just this aching to keep doing it. You know, you've tasted it. I can see yeah. it, you know. <laughs> And, you know, it, it may be just, you know, I say maybe just the UK. UK is incredible. But, you know, sampling that and it's it's now making you think, you know what? I'd like to go a little bit further. Those elements are just in me and, and they just grow um, every day because I'm always thinking what's beyond, what's next? You know, how can I, can I see this? Can I see that? Um, and, you know, I love a challenge. I love a challenge talking about challenges it was about 20 years ago i think you said that you were trekking um in the himalayas and you chose to do a different route and it just resulted mm. in you meeting some of the most incredible people oh. what can you say for choosing new routes through old terrain well for me um i always search for the path less traveled because i think that's where the joy and some of the most really interesting things begin because you know marching along on a trail with a chain of people that are on the same destination to get to the same goal is not that it's not um, a wonderful trip, but for me, if I go this way and met Namge, who took me to here to meet this yak herder, then we, we had a, a shower. He said, oh, you know, do you want a shower? There's just silly things like this, right? Do you want a shower? Oh. You know, it's been two weeks, you know. Yeah, I, I stink, man. I'd love a shower. And he, he points to his shower. And his shower is basically a waterfall. And then bear in mind, this is like ice water. 
and I'm just sort of looking at it, right, okay, so what you just, he goes, yeah, just get in, and he sort of walks in and just sort of, you know, walks off, and, and I jump in, and it's, I mean, like, literally somebody stabbing daggers in you, it was so cold, <laughs> but I just had to, it was everything I could do not to scream like a, a little girl, you know, it was just like, oh, God, it's so cold. But it was amazing. But those experiences and then him cooking this amazing yak stew and then going into a, a, this tiny little hut and then this other guy cooking for us. And I saw this huge rat come out of the kitchen and thinking, oh, my God. But, you know, and then the kids playing with, you know, yak shit, basically making, um, you know, little houses out of yak shit. That was it. And they just looked so happy. And all these little amazing things that I kept seeing it was so visceral and made it so colorful and i wouldn't have seen any of that if i'd gone that way do you know what i mean and um, so for me taking the path less traveled is i think it's really quite exciting because you don't really know what to expect i think you know i the, the, the a caveat with that would be you know if you're going to do it in a dramatic environment you know be mindful you know, I wouldn't say if you're in the Arctic or if you're in a, a remote region of somewhere where there's also potentially dangerous wildlife or whatever. You know, prior preparation, be mindful of that, but take that route, but just think about it a little bit, you know, plan well, you know, have the right resources with you, a kit in, in your kit, you know, warmth, um, dry, distress, speaking of some thing or a sat phone or whatever. But chances are you'll never use it, but it's important to have. And the day you don't pack it is the day you need it. So, yeah, I I, I do think taking the path less travelled is 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 without question the way forward. And how I sort of got into this business was just wanting to show people a different way of doing things. It didn't mean it was dangerous. Didn't mean it was scary. Didn't mean it was more challenging. It just means I knew people that could take me to a certain place that would do certain things and. You know, and I'd often, uh, often it's down to who you know, like the locals are absolutely critical to executing a really wonderful trip because they have the intimate knowledge of that landscape because they were like, oh, well, I'll take you here and here. And I was like, yeah, everyone goes there. Well, you know, it's really lovely. And yeah, but everyone goes there. Where do you go on the weekend? Well, what do you mean? Where do I go? Oh, I go over here. Can I go there? Well, why do you want to go there? I said, well, I want to do what you do because obviously it must be good because that's why you go there and nobody else knows about it, right? Well, no. And then they get really excited. So then we get there and I'm just like, holy moly, this looks insane. This is incredible. And he's like, really, you like it? And I'm like, yeah, this is great. Can we organize a way to get to there but go this way? Yeah, we can do that. And then, you know, so you start to build this um, black book of amazing people around the world that just choose to do things slightly differently or... So taking the path less travelled is 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 glorious. I think it's great. Even when I have meetings in London, you know, I'll take a different route than I usually take to get to wherever I'm going. And I may have been there many times. I'll take a different way. And I see a cobbler or a, 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 an old shop. This guy makes um, pipes. Like, how on earth does he make any money? How does he survive making these little pipes, this tiny store down this tiny little road, you know? But I love that. You know, everything's an experience, you know. And if you take the same route, I think that's probably why people, when they go to work every day, and they take the same road in the same car, sit in the same traffic and do the same job, that it just becomes, I hate my job, I hate the drive, I hate the, you know. It's not that every time you can change the route, but variety is the spice of life. Yeah, absolutely. And chatting about doing the the path less travelled as well, just, just yesterday on LinkedIn, you said that, as soon as lockdown is uh, is lifted, we and you know the world can travel again. Iceland is one of the top locations for you to travel to. I was wondering, what's the next goal for you there? Well, I, I've, I've I've done a lot of trips in Iceland and uh, really done some some pretty wild stuff. Iceland will definitely be a place where I go back. I've a great friend of mine there who you know he's worked on a bunch of movies, for Tom Cruise and everything else. And he's a dear friend and. You know, he goes into all the places that no one goes, right? Because nobody knows about or doesn't have access to. So I'll give you an example. Last time I was out there, he goes, you want to see something really crazy? And I'm like, yeah. And I had this DNA test a few years ago, and I'm uh, 20% Nordic, so he loves the fact I'm almost a Viking. <laughs> all, all my toe is, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, 
So now he calls me his brother, you know. <laughs> and, um, so we, we go and we disappear into this area. I don't know if you've been to Iceland, but it's pretty... Once you get off the beaten track and into the middle of nowhere, it's otherworldly. I mean, it's bonkers. And um, we went up to this crater and you look into this crater and he goes, we're going to go into there. And I'm like, great, let's go. And uh, we get into this crater and down this sort of, uh, what would you call it? Like an uh, overhang of lava. There's a little sort of opening. I'm looking down there and I said, well, what's down there? And he goes, it gets pretty tight. You know, it's a tunnel and it goes into basically Middle Earth, you know. Um, and it's this lava tube. Um, but very tight and I you know so one thing I'm not hugely excited about is claustrophobia and I'm like oh geez and he goes you know come on we can do it and I'm like right okay let's do it you know getting out of your comfort zone right so um so we went through and you know we're on our belly sliding over this ice uh, you know molded ice like this it was almost like something out of those the canyons in Utah but, it, you know, the, some of the gaps were like there, you know, just your body width and you're sort of sliding through and you're getting through and you're getting deeper and deeper into this thing. And I'm thinking, wow, this is pretty bonkers. And um, there's no no natural light down there at all. Um, and so the head torches are, are hitting these icicles that have never seen anyone else. And, and the light, when it hits them, is just sending off all these angles. And it's just it was just utterly mind blowing. And then um, as we got further and further in, he took the head torches off and put it on an area where uh, the lava had fallen down and he, and on top of ice. And he put these two um, lights at the bottom and it fired the light through the ice and then out through the gaps of the vault, uh, the lava. And it was like pinpricks of light just going. And it was just like, there's like nothing I've ever seen. And it was just like, wow. So we kept going, kept going down and down. And then we got to another area where it's basically an ice city, right? So you go into this area and it's probably a quarter mile squared, it, you know, maybe smaller than that. And all this ice has, has come out of the ground like static mites coming out, right? And they were hollow in the middle. And you could walk through and it was like this ice city. It was just something out of Narnia. It was just bonkers. And then he go, and we, when we got to the final bit, he goes, okay, um, turn off your head torch. I said, okay, turn off the head torch. And it's blacker than black. You know, I mean, like you can see nothing. And then he goes, he, I heard this sound. It was like, boom, echoing through this chamber. I was like, whoa. I said, is that your phone? And he didn't, he didn't say anything back. And then he was like, I could hear these sounds like whoa, whoa, whoa. just I couldn't just it's very hard to describe it so like weird sort of octaves of sound coming you know permeating through this cave and to the point where when he, when it's so dark as well you get very disorientated and I could just hear these weird sounds and he wasn't talking back to me and I was like okay this is kind of freaking me out and he put his head torch back on and what he, what, what, I said, what was that sound? And he just said, it's where the water had dropped through. That was a lump of ice. The water dropping like this had created like a glass. So it was a hollow in the middle, but it had filled up with different levels of water, all these different ones. So what he was doing was tapping them. Like, wow. And so he's tapping. And, and, and so these sounds were bonkers. And then we went a little bit further and you can see the tunnel would just disappear. And in this weird sort of red, orange, blacks into nothingness. And he goes, we don't go any further from than here. And I was like, oh, why? And um, and he said, well, that's where the small people live. And they really, they truly believe in the, you know, the small people. They come out at night and, you know, live in the caves and everything. That was just one of the, one of the things. And after that, gosh, it was the next day he took me, um, it was about minus 30 and we were walking across, we drove to the middle of nowhere. Then we were walking across this ice, like, uh, it was nice. It was like a volcanic field, but it was covered in snow. So it was very rutty and weird and tricky to walk across. And we got across um, into the middle of nowhere and there's this seam that was running like this, like a crevasse almost. Um, and I could see some sort of steam coming out of it. 
and it was basically two tectonic plates. It's, I think it was where America meets um, Europe. Or, and so, he, you know, pulls off his rucksack and pulls out a rope. And I'm like, right, what's, what are we doing now? And he goes, we're going in to the crevasse. And um, I was like, oh, my God, here we go. <laughs> so, and he goes, you're going first. And I was like, okay, so we set up the ropes and I abseiled down into this um, crevasse. But it's not ice, it's, it's, um, it's like a tectonic split. So it's, it's uh, walls of volcanic rock either side, quite tight. I mean, probably about maybe, I'll send you some pictures of us down there, uh, maybe about this wide. I get down there and there's this river, underground river, that just crystal clear, steam coming off it, right? I'm just looking at it and then he comes down behind me, goes, right, get all your clothes off, we're going in. And I was like, yes. And it's maybe, bear in mind, it's minus 30 out there. So we get in and it's, I mean, it's hotter than a hot bath. It was unbelievable. So incredible and um, really deep. So it's quite weird. So you'd look down and it was just like this infinite drop, but this volcanic water was in there that was just wild. So we were floating down this, this little thin river through this grass with the Northern lights firing above. Oh my word. And you're in the middle of this. And, and it, I mean, that to me, this, so this is what I'm saying, the path less travel, you know, only through knowledge, intimate knowledge with the locals, it makes these things accessible, you know. So I cherry pick the very best of what's in a region and I mold that to fit the brief, really, or the brief I want to create. So those were just two things. And one of the areas where he wants to take me, I think you probably saw the snowmobile. And, but there's a trip he wants to do with me on snowmobiles where, again, it, nobody does it takes about four days to go across this glacier and then through a couple of mountains and stuff. But right in the middle of the glacier, there's a natural hot spring, again, sort of molded like the Utah sandstone. And, um, and you can sit in there, see the sun and the moon exposed at the same time. Yeah, it's just, oh God, so exciting. That's incredible. I, I feel like I could just sit there with a map with you and just go, what about this country? <laughs> You'll just tell me an incredible story about that country. Well, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I've got so much more to learn and a lot of people know a lot more than I do. But, you know, I, I just, uh, you know, I love it. And wherever I am, I try and find the oddities or the things that go to places that people don't, wouldn't usually think of going, you know. Yeah. That's generally when the fun starts. I mean, that was a nice little segue there. You mentioned about learning. Um, you have mentioned previously that you took your daughter to the Arctic and it was that incredible. She wrote a paper on it and she got an A. So I was wondering, uh, going a little bit uh, down a different route here, what's your thoughts on adventure's place in education? I think it's so important. I, I think, you know, I don't want to get political about it. And, like, you know, this is just my opinion. And I'm sure people may find it wrong or right or agree or disagree. But I think the outdoors is an intrinsic part of who we are as human beings. And when you take it away, it's... You know, I think it's psychologically damaging. And I think health fitness is vital for uh, somebody to be able to think, function and be happy. You know, happiness is continually linked to being outdoors and, that, uh, you know, from forest bathing to, to hiking. I mean, it's clinically proven that it, it's good for you. So I think it's really, really important in schools. Like I love things like the Duke of Edinburgh Award. You know, I think we should embrace it even more. Get kids to, you know, they're, they're looking at maps on their own. They're disappearing on their own. You know, it's great. I mean, you know, it's fairly well, I mean, it's very well organised. But being outdoors is so visceral that if ever I'm struggling in the office and I'm just thinking, oh, my God, I'm just having a blank. I go for a 10 minute walk. It's enough just to recalibrate, you know, refocus and get on with it again. I think um, we're in a world that's always on. And I think I, I like it to, you know, you'll be on your computer and at some point it will stop working. What do you do when it stops working? You shut it down, you reboot it. Hey, guess what? It works again with the same thing. We keep giving ourselves so much information, apps, social media, everything. We're always, always on. You know, we're never told it's okay to be still. And for me, we get to a point where we have to recalibrate, you know, it's like stop go for the walk, take a day off, take an afternoon off or have a different lunch in a different area and see something different. You, you know, sometimes we need to reboot, to recalibrate, to start again, to be more, if you know, if you want the best out of somebody, you want them operating well, 
be kind to them. Outdoors thing. It's a great, great book by Jovan Chauvard, the, the guy that started Patagonia, called Let Your People Surf. Really, it's not even, it's just quite a small book, a really good one. And it's about building how he built his company at lunchtime. They'd all go surfing, you know, and they'd all come back and go, yeah, great, let's crack on again. But if you've got somebody sitting 24-7 in front of a computer in a, with no light, I mean, at some point, something's going to crack, right? I think it's really, really important, not just in school systems, but in daily life that we, you know, um, take any opportunity we can to get outdoors or look out the window even, you know, even if it's just as simple as that. They've proven that, you know, you can, if you're, if the office windows look out to a forest, you know, it increases your happiness, you know? So I think, you know, I don't think there's any particular button or one thing that makes it work, but I, you know, the out, I think the outdoors is good for the mind, the body and the soul, man. It's just good all round. So I think it's really important and hugely prescriptive. I mean, in Scotland, they're now, the doctors prescribe, uh, I think it's forest bathing now up there. You know, go work in the, walk in the forest. And I, I can't remember the guy's name in Japan. There were so many suicides happening due to people being stressed and overworked. But this university professor looked into forest bathing, which is, forest bathing is just walking in a forest. It doesn't mean actually bathing in a forest. But you're bathing in the outdoors, the goodness. And, and it had profound effects it's incredible, absolutely incredible what, what he achieved. And the, the statistics are, well, they speak for themselves. You know, it, it just works, you know. No, absolutely necessary. So small enough to care, but big enough to deliver. Tell us about Momentum Adventure. Well, Momentum Adventure is kind of not there anymore, to be honest. We've moved to Momentum Bespoke. So it's slightly changed. And where our, most of our things are happening now is in um, production. So we are, a, are ultimately now a production company because we were filming these trips that we were doing and for clients because we had a great team of cameramen, et cetera, et cetera, from film and logistics and safety and uh, et cetera, um, that brands were approaching us saying, could you do a film for... Uh, my car, this car or this watch. Or, and we were like, well, yeah. When um, COVID kicked in last year, I mean, all travel stopped completely. There was no work at all. So I could still do the production stuff. So, you know, I put a bit, you know, pushed a, you know, a bit on that and it, it's, it's been very successful. So what we're doing now as well is Momentum Bespoke is what was Momentum Adventure. So Momentum Bespoke now is... Basically, the Savile Row of adventure. You know, if you if you want to do something that's off piece, and it may be Denali, it may be crossing the Arctic, it might be something as simple as taking your kids to Iceland to do a unique adventure that fits their remit. You know, but it's low volume but high excitement value or uniqueness. So it's very specialist, um, and it's not for everyone, but it's it's exciting. So. Um, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a turn for me. It's a, you know I had to move sort of a few degrees in a different direction to enable me to sort of um, you know survive in a modern world if you like. But um, but the great thing our remit is creating um, lifestyle content for global brands, you know, or small brands too. You know, just getting things in different positions and telling a story behind it, allowing that product to breathe you know, in, a, in an environment where people can buy into a story or are like, wow, God, that looks insane. Wow, how did that happen? Or how did they do this? So that's really, really exciting. And also I'm focusing a lot on private adventure as well. And, you know, we're, we're, I'm working on a TV treatment at the, at the moment as well um, called Chasing Happiness. It's the most elusive commodity on earth. You know, Buddhists try and find it in the Himalaya and, you know, doctors give you a pill for it and, brands try and sell you it but you know it's elusive right it just lives in the ether and nobody can really define what it is so I, I thought there was something really interesting there because having um before COVID kicked off I was in southern Africa and Bhutan and I met the prince in um in Bhutan and I was lucky enough to have this chat with him and he was telling me you know they're a country of enormous happiness you know they believe in gross national happiness not gross national product they're carbon negative not even neutral but negative and he said if there's a homeless person here and they come to me and they're homeless i will give them a land and build them a house and i'm sort of sitting there and says who says that who says that you know and it and i think there's something really wonderful about that 
So it's a very happy, kind culture there. And yet it's a pretty cool, you know, it's, it's a fairly poor country, you know, they don't have any major exports or anything, but they're just this little nugget that exists that is just wonderful. And, and then being in Southern Africa on the wild coast and um, in some pretty remote areas and just meeting people that would be perceived as having absolutely nothing. What I would say is some other, uh, during those two trips, I met probably the, some of the happiest people I've ever met in my entire life. And they, on the surface, people would look at it and say they had nothing, but they would give you the shirt off their back. You know, it was just, it was so enlightening. It was the first time I actually ever came back from um, trips where I struggled to come back into normality because when you're in it, you don't see it. But when I came back, it's the fact that, you know, if it's a YouTube video or it's a magazine, everybody's always selling you something. Buy this, you need more of that, make more money, have a better jacket, your TV's not good enough, get a bigger one, get a smaller one, get a faster one, get a, you know, whatever. Just this, this constant um, surge of information telling us that we're not ultimately good enough. You know, we need more to be happy. And so we're always saying, I've got to make more money so I can buy that, buy this, buy this, buy that, buy this. <laughs> And it's just like, Jesus, you know, it's crazy. No wonder we're all imploding and we've got more people on antidepressants than we've ever had in the history of the world, you know. Yet people could look at us and say, but you've got so much. But actually, I think we've got so little. I think we've forgotten about the things that are really important, which is family, the outdoors, sharing experiences together. Um, so, you know, that, that to me is really important. And I think, you know, it, happiness is, is, I think, works hand in hand with the outdoors. And I'm sure you could ask most people who you've interviewed um, and they'd say, I, I probably couldn't define it, but it just makes me happy. You know, you, 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 I've seen you talking about your daughter going up these hills and <laughs> bruising cold, carrying her, whatever. But, you know, right now you're smiling at me. Uh, yeah. This is because you're remembering that, right? It's a great, great experience. You know, and uh, and I think when you put a price on it, I don't know. I mean, like the uh, previous guest, Emily Scott, says, you know, no one's ever on their deathbed and they say, I oh, wish I had more money. No. But the add-on of that is really just, maybe not Bhutan, but we're in capitalism here, so you make money and it's all about how do you want to spend that money? Mm. You know, as long as you're being a good person. Well, it, it, you know, experience, you know, I mean, advent, you know, adventure, experience, traveling, doing something different learning something new uh it, you know it, i think every day we've got a new app or a new thing that makes our life easier simpler so we stop you know we're becoming we're having to think less and less and less and less i'm sure if i ask my kids can you change a tire they'd be like are you insane you know i don't know how to change a tire and you just think oh, simple things like that when i was growing up would just my dad would just say right come on we're going to do this i'm going to teach you how to make cement i'm going to teach you how to do this and i'm going and those things have just stayed with me, man. You know, at the moment, we're always trying to find a quick fix for everything. You know, what can I do? What's the lead path of a resistance? But actually, sometimes that resistance is what helps you grow, you know, um, and, and be a better human. Um, and I do think, you know, my daughter wanted to study to be um, a doctor. Now she's studying um, dietetics. And she went straight out of school, straight into university, and she went straight into a job. And I said, you know, I would say to her, I'd actually encourage her to take a year out. Yeah. Because travel is as important as education, because you need to see how the other world lives, you know, whether that be Africa, whether that be um, South America, whether it be, because those experiences will enrich everything that you do. You know, those memories will maybe help you think about a way to, design a diet design a whatever you know something you learn from this guy in wherever or this woman from here you know it's so 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 important and i think people think it as slacking off almost or oh they're going to take a year out it's like you know it's so important mm. it's almost should be subscribed i think because we spend a whole what was it 80 percent of our lives working and if you're not absolutely in love with your job jesus what's it all for you know yeah yeah, hundred percent. Because because the rest of the time is spent sleeping afterwards. So, <laughs> right? Yeah, and that's that's my problem is accepting that that's necessary and not just refusing myself sleep because I want to because I want to do something else. Yeah, so, yeah. Might as well make sure the other part's useful to you. 
Yeah, I think, I mean, you know, but a knowledge is power, isn't it? I mean, I've been around a while now and, and just having done and seen and experienced quite a few things, it just, it, it molds. I mean, actually, I'd say what I've learned is actually the biggest thing I would say what I've learned is just keep it simple, you know, don't overcomplicate it. And I think expeditions actually can be incredibly simple. You know, there's what do you want and what do you need are two different things. You know, what do you need to pack and what do you think you realistically you'll need? And, you know, and once you sort of start to learn and you've been on a few trips and you think, well, actually, I never use that. I never use this. What you etch up and, and actually end up leaving with is just this sort of sack of goodness, you know, as in a rucksack or a, everything in there has a purpose. Everything in there I'll potentially need. And there's nothing in there that I don't. Now, obviously, if you're going on for weeks and weeks, it's slightly different, but keep it simple. And chatting about simple, actually, this might be one of the one of the elements of the answer. But when chatting about that bespoke part of the company, you said that you've never had a client that comes to you knowing what they want. How do you break it down? What what inspires you to come up with these adventures? Well, I don't, I don't know their adventure when they come to me, right? So if you come to me with your daughter and you say, look, I've got a five-year-old daughter, obviously I can't go too nuts. But, you know, she's, she, she likes a challenge like I do. And, you know, all the expressions say, where have you always dreamt of going? Oh, man, I'd love to go to Patagonia. What is it about Patagonia you love, you think? Ah, oh, the food and, we, you know, the Atacama or whatever it is. And, you know, the, okay, so, do you know, you know what, what kind of things really get you excited? You know, do you like a challenge? And, and I mean, ultimately, it's like baking a cake. You know, if you shitty ingredients, you have a shitty product. You know, but if you grab the best bits and put it all together, it's like, wow, it's probably the best cake I've ever had. But I think there's a lot of companies out there that probably would say they do what we do and, you know, we can do that, we can do that. They, they can't do that. You can't fake authenticity. And the thing is, you know, I've been playing in this world for 30 years and, you know, you can't have a black book that does all these amazing things without having experienced it. So, Lots of travel companies can take you to lots of different places, but most of them will all require the people on the ground to execute. And there'll be companies set up in each country that look after travel for companies. But I don't tend to use those people. You know, I tend to use the, the local guides that know more than just, oh, we'll take you up that hill because that's where everyone, like Machu Picchu. You know, if you want to go to Machu Picchu, you don't need us to do that. Amazing climb, but it's saturated with tourism. And to be honest with you, if that's what you're looking for, it's probably, we're probably not the right company. You know, if you want to do Kilimanjaro, incredible climb, wonderful place. You don't need us to do it. I mean, you can get up there for 700 quid. You know, it's um, going back to your question about how, how does it work? It works really just, I could only put it, I mean, I'm only as good as my, the team around me as well. Don't get me wrong. I'm not sort of this, um, you know, guru of adventure. I mean, I, I have a fair amount of experience, but you know, um, I, I rely on incredible people with more knowledge than I have to, and it's that combination of elements that creates an extraordinary trip. So as an, so I guess I'm like a bit like an adventure architect Well, I'll, I'll design an experience that I think will blow their mind. And then I take that plan and like an architect will give it to a builder to make it all okay. Yeah, we could do that. We'll have to move that a bit here and then we can change that. Yeah, we can build that. So then I take that, plan and give it to the people that I need to execute and then we'll sort of over weeks we'll sort of batter it back and forth and shave and move and look at trails or how can we get them from here to here is it a kayak is it a helicopter is it or whatever and then the trip is born you know and then you know then I present it to the client in a in a deck a beautiful deck and talk them through it and um generally uh, you know, well, it's always it's it's always gone really well. You know, they've always been very receptive to it. Sometimes they say, "Well, I have a little bit less of that, or a bit more of this." Um, but having been reading people in adventure and for 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 this many years, you sort of know what people are capable of and how what people what their appetite will be for you know going this far that way, or do we need to dial it back a bit this way? You know. Where are the break points? You know, if somebody's walking for four hours and then they're thinking we're going to be walking, oh my God, this is such hard work. We just got to the top. Amazing view. We're going to walk four hours down. It's no, no. Helicopter comes in and gets you. And then we take you over to this hot spring where you go and sit in this hot spring and then chill out. 
maybe have a couple of beers and we take a, a gentle mountain bike ride back down to the mountain and into the lodge you know so it's about it's just, you know it's, it's a story yeah what an amazing way to approach it yeah and I, you know but that's why we, we don't run many trips you know we run maybe 10 trips a year sometimes less sometimes more and but you know I don't, I don't want to run 100 trips a year I don't I have no interest in becoming you know building a leviathan of a company because then it becomes impersonal you know so for me i enjoy giving people the, the opportunity to experience you know incredible things that most people don't know about don't even know exist they wouldn't even know how to remotely attempt to get there it, 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 a lot of it is about who you know and, and and not just they're not just good they're fucking brilliant at what they do you know and they help me mold an incredible trip and it's definitely teamwork and i'm super super proud and honoured and privileged to know just some amazing, amazing people in my industry. And I couldn't do it without them. And, and I think they're, they're the key, I guess. Yeah. Talking about you know, those, those journeys, you, you say you take your clients to a place where the mind is unfettered and free. For you, where would that be? Well, that is, it's kind of, you know, that question is very similar to the one I get asked the most is where's your favourite place in the world, right? So, um, and that's an impossible question to really answer because I think different things have different properties. Like, so um, I, one of my first ones I always say is is the Arctic because I find the Arctic incredibly peaceful and very dramatic. You know, as in um, it can be very brutal, but it can also it's just mind-bendingly beautiful, um, uh, mind-bendingly beautiful, but also you know brutal and beautiful at the same time get that right um and there's something there's very few places in the world where things are just so incredibly still no birds no no noise no machinery no planes no not even really any wildlife it's just incredibly still and i remember i took the cameraman there um uh one ago we were filming something a few years ago and it, it, this was an extreme example, but um, it was minus 50 of that, that on, on one of the days, which is, you know, I wouldn't take clients into that. But we were just sort of, you know, he's like, oh, I've got to get this. Uh, get this. And I said, okay, hang on a minute. They just stop for a second, okay? Put the camera down. And I want you to do nothing for one minute. Nothing. Don't talk to me. Don't think about anything. Just And just look. And to this day, years later, he said it was one of those profound moments of his life because it was just mind-blowingly still and quiet. I mean, literally, you could hear a pin drop, and it's just you're watching this. The the the, the, the light is insane, you know. That there's just this frozen tundra, and then you also got these thousands of miles of pine forests, and it's just it's a very 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 magical place. But I also think you know, in Northern Canada, up in the, you know, in the pine forests up there, where you have incredible sounds. Like in, on, on Spotify, I often wake up in the morning and hit forest sounds, and I just have it playing through the house, you know, all these birds and tweeting, and I love it, you know, it's great. And so the, I love forests, and that probably comes from when I was a kid, being in the forest, running away and stuff. I find real peace in, in the forest. Um, and you're also surrounded by things that are so much bigger than us and so much older. And, and it, so I think just it's quite magical walking around trees. Um, I love the Rocky Mountains in Colorado, also one of my favourite places. Where I'm stillest is probably the forests or the Arctic. I think that's two of my favourite places where I always, you know, somebody says, are you in? I'm like, yeah, let's go. I'm in, you know. So with that in mind, I'd be interested to know, and this is the last question before we get just get into a couple of wrap-up ones. Mm. With the, those locations in mind, I'd be interested to know your answer to this one, which is that in all of your adventures so far, which is one moment that you would love to relive? Good question. <laughs> Lots of them probably is the right answer, but uh, I don't know. Um, you know, it's something, it's, it's, you know, people may think, Really? But things like recently, um, I was in the Norwegian fjords. We were well into the fjords in the middle of nowhere, right? So in the morning, we parked up the sailboat and I rode over to the, this cliff edge. And I just sort of had a scramble up and I just sat on this ledge and looked down the fjords. And I was, 
I mean, this was only, you know, four or five months ago. That was mind-blowing. Utterly, utterly beautiful. And still, and no one around. And again, it was very, very silent. And it's not very often you don't hear anything. I think that was a pretty amazing experience. I think also in Bhutan, being with this guy, uh, Namge, and then um, in the middle, oh we were in the middle of nowhere. And it was quite hard to explain. But again, it was, again, for me, it's silence, right? I guess it's silence and the natural beauty because it was these huge, like, prairie type fields with nothing in them other than just beautiful mountains and far-reaching views. And I just, I was just sitting there and it was just incredible. This reminds me of a situation actually. And I ended up just, that was mind blowing. And then I ended up in this little um, place having some food and this girl, local came up to me and I was just sitting at this table looking out over this incredible view. And she woke up, she just, straight up next to me and looked out of the window and um, I didn't even really notice she was there and she goes every day I wake up and I look at that view and I fall in love with my country again and I was like what who's it and then she just drifted off and I was like who says who says that I don't think we say that very often in England we wake up and I fall in love with England again but it was just so profound it was and she just was so happy and full of joy and when she just said that she wasn't even talking to me it was like she was talking to the view and I was just like wow what's up what, what you know whatever you guys are, are eating can I have one yeah this is great but I definitely left with a spring in my step so um yeah I, I think if I look at it now it's probably the places where there's no disturbance you know from from a modern world being in organic natural beauty is for me personally um immensely rewarding you know and the, the, and the ironic thing is it it's it's simplicity right there's nothing there i don't need anything i mean the one of the that i started my company sitting on a mountain in the himalaya looking over uh, the, i think it was a combo ice fall just busting and cracking and i didn't have a phone i didn't have anything i was just sitting there and i'm sure you've had this feeling too um there's this just you just get this euphoric feeling of just joy and you go oh my god this is so amazing oh my god and I said god if I can bottle that feeling I can create the most extraordinary business now bottling it's the trick right because you can talk to me about how you had this amazing trip with your daughter or on your own or whatever it happens to be but to try and project that to somebody else they'll never truly understand what it meant to you on that moment on that day so what I've always tried to do is, is create experiences that um, that feeling vicariously flows into everything that I create or we create, should I say. Um, and, and that to me is, is what's really special is capturing moments like this lady or capturing these views or capturing moments and environments that give you that sense of euphoria. You're like, oh, wow. Yeah. God. Uh, some every now and then I, again I ask that question and I forget I'm doing a podcast <laughs> like people have done some amazing things but uh quickly going into some rapid questions questions then just to finish off mm. if you could repeat one of your childhood trips with your father and uncle which one would it be <laughs> although for, after chatting with you about it it sounds like there's too many to choose from <laughs> well I just think it's quite an emotion because my father's not with us anymore and um uh, uh and he sort of you know instilled this sort of powerful um thing in me that kind of it was like you know you can do anything and I think that's what I learned on the hills that day is that I was just a scrawny kid that didn't know his ass from his elbow you know and he was dragging me up this hill and he but he believed and knew that we could do it and so I just kept pushing and kept pushing well my brother and I and um and we we got there you know and I I, I think I don't know if you've seen the video that was our Everest that day you know um, and if I could be with him again and do that climb again, you know, that would be pretty magical. And I'd love to talk to him about what I've learned and what I've done. You know, maybe you know, if there's another life, who knows? But, you know, that would be something that I, find I, would, I think would be a really magical experience to be able to do that again and talk about 
what I've learned and what he taught me and, and, and be up in the middle of nowhere, you know, absolutely wonderful. Wonderful. And then the last question of all is where can we keep up to date with your adventures and with Momentum Media? <laughs> well, it, we've got sort of things bouncing everywhere. So we're just um, at the moment, we're sort of trying to find a happy place where everyone can come and play type of thing or explore or experience. And it's a combination of probably um, this Momentum Life, which is kind of where I've logged a lot of trips that I've done. And then we've got a new website and that's the media site. That's very orientated towards um, media production, but it's all about the outdoors still. Um, and Momentum Bespoke exists, but it is like a poster to a film. You, there's not a huge amount to engage. But So I would say keep an eye on our platforms, you know, like Instagram, and um, we do a fair amount on LinkedIn. Perfect. Well, listen, Matthew, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. It's really been a pleasure. Thank you. Well, a pleasure, yeah. We should, we should go and do a hike someday. It'd be great. Yeah, 100%. Let's do it. Yeah. yeah. What a brilliant chat with Matthew there. I'd love to hear what you guys thought of it on btmtravelpod at gmail.com or you can follow the social media links for the podcast and you can grab me on there if you'd like to. Um, Also, while you're at it, check out Momentum Media stuff. They're doing some fantastic things, just like you said, um, on Instagram. You can connect with them on LinkedIn as well. Momentum Media itself is this brilliant powerhouse of a company that just keeps doing these, taking, you know, like the Bentley Bentayga out. To, and, and making a film about it and it's really fascinating stuff and then like like we said the the more minimal part of that is the bespoke expeditions for you absolutely go check Momentum Media out and if you enjoyed that episode then check out these three Exploring Cultures and Wild Places with Ian Finch Ian's actually the man who recommended me to get in touch with Matthew Robertson so if you enjoy this episode, definitely go and enjoy that episode too. Also, A Life of Alaskan Adventure with Luke Mel is a brilliant episode which dives really insightfully into exploring in Alaska and Luke's experience there. And lastly, why not check out Exploring Wild Places and Indigenous Culture with Hayley Gendron. Similar title, different story, different region of the world. Definitely go and check those three out. I hope you have a fantastic week and I'll speak to you in the next episode. Thanks.